1: The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we concentrate on Egypt. Last weekend the country staged presidential elections, an event that was meant to be a crowning moment in Egypt's transition to democracy. But the announcement of the winner has been delayed a few days with the two candidates, Mohammed Morsi of the Muslim Brotherhood and Ahmed Shafiq, a former Prime Minister under the old regime of Hosni Mubarak, both claiming victory. Meanwhile, the ruling transitional military councils announced a series of dramatic measures, including the dissolution of a democratically elected parliament, as well as a decree giving the military sovereignty over the military budget, legislative power and the veto rights over future constitutional proposals. Some are calling this a coup that's rolled back the gains of the Egyptian revolution. So what are we to make of it all? Joining me on the line is David Gardner, our international affairs editor. And on the line from Cairo is Bourjou Daragaki, our correspondent there. Bourjou, if I can go to you first, do you uh, would you go as far as calling this a, a counter-revolution?
2: Well, it does seem like there are some counter-revolutionary elements to what has happened. I think that the complication is that um, yeah, ever since the uh, uprising last year, uh, the military has been in charge technically uh, politically uh, legally, and so it 's hard to call it a coup or a uh, counter revolution so much as a uh, consolidation of the military 's already uh, considerable power. This was not a full on revolution as we saw, for example, in Libya, where the old regime was just completely wiped away. Um, this was a managed uh, uh, revolution uh, with the military retaining the upper hand throughout.
1: But I guess the, the, the feeling was that this was perhaps a transitional arrangement and that the military was holding the ring until you moved to a fully fledged democracy. And now it looks like the military has no intention of getting out of the ring.
2: Well, according to many people here, the military never had any intention of getting out of the ring. That uh, They had uh, reserved for themselves certain uh, rights that they have uh, never really uh, intended to give up. Uh, and that if you had watched them closely uh, rather than listening to their words,
1: uh, you would have figured that out. David, uh, can I bring you in here? What do you make of this? I mean, particularly the dissolution of Parliament sounds an incredibly dramatic measure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the postponement looks ominously like the same sort of procedural ruse as they used in the dissolution of Parliament. I mean, bear in mind that in both cases... The Muslim Brotherhood was among the organizations that raised legal objections. So there is a slightly alarming similarity to that. But having said that, I think until this postponement, at least as of Tuesday, I think the generals and the scarf and so on, did look set to allow a Morsi victory through. And given the state, I think it would be smart for them still to do that. I mean, if you look, if you give even a cursory glance to the scale of the challenges ahead, the need to put the country back on its feet, restore security, reboot the economy, restart a flow of investment and so on, you're looking at a long period of wrenching change, of dislocation and possible turmoil. Do they really want to take all the responsibility for this alone? Or would it be smarter to lay off some of this responsibility onto the Muslim Brotherhood qua president, open the field for them to be held accountable for the first time, in a sense to dirty them up a bit? We don't know, it seems to me, whether they are that smart the past 16 months when as bors has said they've essentially been in charge they have avoided any decisions about the direction of the country and preferred essentially to safeguard their own interests but we do know as a result of that that they have a very lively sense of their own interests so let's see which way they jump
1: Bozo, um Give us a sense of of how the Muslim Brotherhood are are viewing this. Are they very alarmed? And also, I was told that there was a sense that uh, the Muslim Brotherhood had not exactly covered themselves in glory during the period in which they've had the majority in Parliament.
2: Indeed, uh, I I would say right now that the Muslim Brotherhood is uh, very nervous. They're just very, very uh, on edge about what's going to happen next and what decision they'll be confronted with. The ball will be in their court should, for example... This panel of judges rule that the election uh, was won by their opponent because of what many would call dirty tricks on the part of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, this is the the sort of scenario that some people are talking about. But you know, indeed, the Muslim Brotherhood has not behaved in a way that would endear itself to many sectors of the Egyptian society. It started from the very beginning after the revolution, when they sided with the military in uh, approving a referendum. That um, called for quick elections for parliament, that also institutionalized many of the problems that we see now. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was in favor of that, whereas many of the liberals and leftists in this country were against it. The sort of constitutional declaration passed with resounding support. And then later, during parliamentary elections, they originally promised not to contest a lot of seats for parliament, but somehow they did and that upset a lot of people. It suggested that they were more interested in consolidating their power rather than adhering to the principles of the revolution. And the big thing was, of course, they had promised not to field a presidential candidate, and then they did, perhaps more for uh, reasons of competing against other Islamists than other segments of the Egyptian uh, political body. Uh, But in any case, they reneged on that promise, and that upset a lot of people.
1: Now, David, um... As you say, a lot of people have wanted to see, well, how would the Muslim Brotherhood perform in power? They've uh, only had a little taste of it so far with, with this uh, Islamist majority in the parliament. What's your sense of, of how they have been performing?
0: Well, I re- repeat what Borza was saying. I mean, the, the broken promises, the unreliability, the secretiveness and so on. But I mean, the performance in parliament has been I mean, seldom has it been less than a disappointment, and quite often it's been an outright disgrace. With that, to be fair, limited but important platform, um, they've done next to nothing. The signalling has been mixed, the obsessing about the status of women in society and so on and so forth, and failure to engage with the problems of everyday life for the vast majority of Egyptians and the stunning irrelevance of so much of their performance is, is, really has been dismal. But they still really haven't had the opportunity to perform, to move on from these sonorous but ultimately rather empty slogans such as Islam is the solution, or to give any indication, although Morsi in one of his recent speeches did sound as though he was moving towards, how can I put it, the sort of Erdogan, the the Turkish view of the world, towards that sort of neo-Islamism, which does realise that it has to perform. But we really haven't seen anything, and the partial performance that we have seen, as I said, has been pretty dismal.
1: Well, just can you clear something up for us? I mean, the dissolution of parliament sounds an incredibly drastic step, like a a, a sort of rollback of democracy. Um, Is it that bad?
2: To to many people, it's not a great step. It's not a great development. Uh, Many people in society, many people, liberals, leftists, uh, even some former Muslim Brotherhood supporters, were not so unhappy with the decision. But if you talk to um, uh, people who are more astute and distanced observers of the Egyptian political scene, it it was not a good step um, to have this panel of judges make this ruling on a technicality. It should be said, however, that the sort of technicality that this ruling was based on is something, once again, that the Muslim Brotherhood agreed to in the first place. And the powers that... The uh, uh, army has to, to dissolve parliament and so on. Again, it was something that the uh, Muslim Brotherhood had agreed to in the first place. So, in a way, they they dug their own grave on this.
1: But will there there'll be new elections at some point? I I would guess. But people are talking about the, the reassertion of something called an Egyptian deep state. Do you think that deep state might be more important than any new elections?
2: It, you know, it's obvious in talking to people in the judiciary. Uh, and in other um, institutions in this country that they are very worried and concerned about what would happen under a Muslim brotherhood led political administration, they fear for their jobs, uh, they fear for ideological purges taking place here, as has happened in other revolutions and has happened to some extent, for example, in Tunisia or Libya, and so they have begun to sort of fight back and one of the ways they 've done that is through the courts. This is something we 've seen uh, in Turkey as well. Uh, which is where the term uh, uh, deep state originated.
1: And meanwhile, of course, the Egyptian economy is deteriorating, Bourdieu. How how bad is the situation on the ground?
2: Well, it, it, it is pretty bad. You know, there are some advantages, actually, because it seems like traffic and pollution are down. But if you think about the reasons for that, it's rather ominous. People have less to do there 's less business taking place. Uh, many uh, commercial transactions are being delayed um, after the elections after the elections everyone says regarding everything uh, something like real estate transactions are down to zero uh, because no one is quite certain uh, what a uh, fair market value would be for anything and then meanwhile there 's sort of uh, really the ominous development the countries uh, um, foreign currency reserves are are um, uh, declining and there 's a very good chance they 're going to have to uh, um, make a, a, a drastic, a more drastic than usual uh, currency reevaluation uh, that that could uh, even further hurt the country's position in the global economy.
1: Finally, David, if I can finish with you, um, we've always said that, you know, Egypt's the key to the whole region. It's the biggest country. It's a cultural center. It was the, the second to have a revolution. How far do events there and the kind of confusion that's emerging uh, affect the regional picture in the Arab Spring as a whole?
0: the oft-cited leading political and cultural role of Egypt was very substantially degraded under the Mubarak dispensation. So I, mean, I think one needs to get that into perspective. But there is no getting away from the fact that if it were seen to be the case that uh, uh, Egypt can't do it, then the prospects of the other Arab countries hauling themselves out of the pit of despotism would look considerably less clear, very dim indeed. Going back to your question about the consequences of the dissolution of Parliament, it is conceivable in a benign-ish scenario that given that one of the problems with the, the Egyptian transition is the very odd sequencing. I mean, normally, for example, you would go to some form of constituent assembly and establish the rules of the game and uh, you, you know here we are we've had a parliamentary election a presidential election total confusion and there's no constitution no rules of the game so if if they were now to be able to go back and get the sequencing in a slightly more logical order leading to clear rules established the election of a new parliament and so on that would be promising but One of the things that in the flurry of decrees, which seems to me extremely ominous, is essentially the reintroduction of emergency law, martial law through the back door after it had been left to expire by the parliament at the end of May. Now, that, that is extremely ominous. The regrouping and reconstruction of the institutions of repression, essentially, like state security, the Amin al-Daulans, all that, that is very ominous indeed. So there's the potentially benign and the already looking ominous here. And which way that goes is clearly going to radiate throughout the region, too, and send signals to other people and other leaders about where this is all going.
1: So, a very delicately poised situation, both in Egypt and around the region. David Gardner, thank you very much indeed. Thanks also to Bourjo Dalagaki in Cairo and to the team in the studio here in London. Until next week, goodbye.
0: For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash
1: podcasts.